This is Stacy Finney, guest interviewer for Loud Fast Philly, here today with Dallas Cantlin of the band Thorazine. Welcome, Dallas. Thanks for having me. Today, what is today? Today is Sunday, October 5th, yeah. 2014. <laughs> we are in the Mount Airy section of Philadelphia at your bass player's house, at Dan Hoover's beautiful home. The Hoover establishment. <laughs> and we are moving things around just to fuck shit up. So we will get things started. <laughs> Dallas, where and when were you born? I was born in Philly at the Naval Hospital in November 1964. Okay. Was your dad in the Navy? Dad was a merchant marine, so yes, he a branch of the Navy. Okay. Uh, just tell me a little bit, uh, who are your parents? What are their names? Are they living? Where do they live? My mom, uh, Gloria Harriet Cotman, she passed right before my 16th birthday. Okay. Dad is still alive. He's down south. Okay. He didn't like living up north anymore. Okay. But you grew up in Philadelphia? Yes. And what section of Philadelphia did you grow up in? Uh, mom and dad never married. Mom wouldn't convert. My father's side are all Jehovah's Witnesses. My mother's side is pretty much Baptist, except mm -hmm. for one sect. Oh boy. So she would not... Dug her heels in. Yeah. <laughs> she would not convert so that they, they couldn't get married. Okay. So he moved out. And he lived in West Philly. And we I grew up in my mother's house in North Philly until she died. And then I moved in with my dad. Okay. Any other siblings? Yes. All. No full blood. Okay. I have two. Well, I have one brother with the same mother. Mm -hmm. One brother with the same father. And and my eldest brother and sister are adopted. Okay. What, um, do you want to talk a little bit about what happened with your mom? Or is that something that you don't want to touch? No. Not that. 16 is pretty young to lose a parent. Yeah. So. Um, she had a second stroke and she always believed that if she had a second stroke, it would kill her because that's what killed her mother. Okay. Um, Oma, we called her. Um. Were they part German? That's a German. It is. It's a very it is German. German. Um, I, I'll get, I'll Oma's get to that. grandmother. Okay. <laughs> I, I remember asking my mother, why do we call her Oma instead of Grandma, uh -huh. like everybody else? Yeah. And she told us that Oma is grandmother in German. Mm -hmm. um, so is there a German side of the family? Let's go there. Yeah, let, um, let's, let's talk about this. You are African-American. Yes. Right? So you are a young black man in America. <laughs> right? Okay. Yes. So is there a mix? Is, is, is there a, a, a mix of different ethnicities? or? No, well... Uh, I'll cover the German part and then okay. I'll come back. Don't right. stop me if I get too long. No, that's all right. Go ahead. Um, my mother was, she married, she was married to someone in the army, William Cantland. That's how I got Cantland. Okay. Um, which is British. I researched it. <laughs> and in, in, in America, there's like seven Cantlands with oh, wow. us being most of them. Wow. But anyway, um, she... So she didn't give you your biological father's name. Correct. Okay. His last name's Lanier. My father's side is all Lanier's. But uh, my mother married a serviceman, and he was stationed in Germany. And at the time, she was told that um, 
he that she couldn't have kids. So she adopted because she figured, okay, I'm medically incapable, mm -hmm. I'll adopt. And there were half black, half German kids. You could basically pick them up for a nickel. No, <laughs> nobody wanted them. Yeah. So she yeah. wanted to adopt. They were. It was easy. Okay. So my eldest brother and sister, they're like 15, 16 years my senior. Oh wow. She adopted. He turned out to be an alcoholic, and she decided basically screw this. And while he was asleep, robbed his pockets, got their passports, got on a plane. Her and the two kids came back to America. Wow. And she was raising them on her own. She's originally from South Jersey, so she knew Philly because it was right across the bridge. And he never came after her? No. Hmm. So she came back to Philly, and she's raising my brother and sister. Mm -hmm. And she was told, you can't get pregnant. So it was party time. <laughs> Free love. Free love. It was that era. And then sure, out, right? out, out pops my older brother, uh, Michael. Mm -hmm. And she went to the doctor, kind of like, hey, doc, I thought you said. That I couldn't have And she's like, oh, no, Mrs. Catlin, it was a mistake. It'll never happen again. Never happen again. <laughs> Two years later. And then she said, okay, you guys lied. Yeah, yeah. How old was your mom when she had you? I don't remember. Was she younger? But, yeah, well, yeah. When, when she passed, she was 50. Okay. So, yeah. But, um, so that's how... So 34. Yeah. yeah. I did the math right this time. I yeah. Think. <laughs> <laughs> I have a little bit of trouble with math in my head. I need pencil and paper. Me too. I always need paper and pencil. <laughs> so, so, here you are, the son of a Southern Baptist. And, and your biological father is Jehovah Witness. Were you in contact with your father growing up? Yes. Okay, yes. So he was a part of your life. Big part of my life, yeah. What was that influence like? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to embarrass myself here and say my familiarity with Jehovah Witness is them knocking on my door and me saying, <laughs> go away. So maybe you can enlighten me. I can. Um, and Southern Baptist, I always equate with... Um, big hats. Uh, big hats. <laughs> But much joy in singing, yes. and and sometimes yeah. a little bit of that like voodoo kind of stuff going on. There's I don't, a know. I don't little know. back flipping so, up the so, eye. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you can. Are you familiar with both? With both. Were you yes. raised with, with both? With both. So yes. can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. For days, um, I'll start with my mom's side. Mm -hmm. Growing up in North Philly, we went to Open Door Baptist Church where our door is always open to you. <laughs> I like that slogan. I'll, I'll never forget it, because I heard it every Sunday. Sure. A lot of Sundays. Sure. Um, that was Baptist. You had the big hats. Mm -hmm. You had the rickety stairs that led to the basement with the chicken dinners and the big chicken-eating mm -hmm. sisters down there hooking it up. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You know? And lots of singing, I'm lots sure. Lots of singing. Yeah. My mother was in the inspirational choir. There were there was the inspirational choir, the children's choir, the elders' choir, mm -hmm. senior choir. Okay. And there was a couple others. But she was in the inspirational choir, and they wore red and white. And their songs were all upbeat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All upbeat. Yeah. No They were getting songs. happy. Yes. <laughs> 
There, I mean, if there was going to be some backflipping mm -hmm. up Foot the aisle, stomping, hand clapping, it and... was doing the inspirational choir. <laughs> nice. I love that. I love that stuff. I miss that part. Yeah. Well, it's very, it makes you feel good. It, it yeah. does feel good. Yeah. Do you, was, was religion, I mean, you were born into it, so I think sometimes when, you know, when you are who your family is, but was your mother um, um, very set on your being Southern Baptist, and did you adhere to that growing up, or? No, um, she came, she just, <laughs> She, I don't want to say discovered religion, but there's no other way to put it. Mm -hmm. She discovered religion later in life. Because mm -hmm. before, it was party time. I sure. mean, she met my dad, who was a musician. We'll okay. get into that. Yeah, we will get into that. <laughs> um, was a bass player um, at, at a cabaret, which was the thing to do in sure. that time. Sure. So it was party time. In fact, she met Reverend Johnson, the reverend of Open Door Baptist mm -hmm. Church back when he would go door to door and say, hey, my church is over here, it's not, free. It's not far from you, mm -hmm. come fellowship with us. And I, I'll never forget, we were going to Sunday school before my mom had said, you know what, you guys are going to Sunday school, I'm gonna go and check this church out. So she was making sure that you kids got your religion, but she wasn't she, herself yeah, going at that point. At that point. She was, okay. So then she went to see where we were going and why we were okay with going. Mm -hmm. And she met the pastor and burst into tears. Hmm. And he remembered her. Here, she had cussed him out one day when he came knocking at the door saying, Hey, my church isn't very far. Get away from me. I don't want any of this. Blippity, 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 blah, blip, filth, foul, and foul. That's and what I did when the Jehovah Witness <laughs> in my house. I let the dog out. <laughs> that was my uncle. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. He's never walked the same since. <laughs> so she realized it was this guy that she cursed out. And yes, here, and her kids he are having remembered it. her. Yeah. And she burst out and she said, this is a sign. You're the exact person you came to me with nothing but love in your heart, mm -hmm. and I acted like a complete fool. Mm -hmm. This is a sign. Mm -hmm. So then she started going. Okay. And um, then she later joined the choir. But what always intrigued me, yeah, the singing was great, and the back flipping up the aisle, and the chicken and greens in the basement. <laughs> the food was always good, I know. Amen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll go to church. Come on, sign me up. I want to sing and I want to eat. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> praise Jesus. <laughs> so, 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 do you currently practice? I mean, do you believe in God? Are you... I I do. Um, um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> my ADD. <laughs> Thinking about chicken now. See, you and me both have been vegetarian for years, but now I was some chicken and some cornbread, man. And I'll eat collard, bean, collard greens, fuck kale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, brother. <laughs> so, um, all right. Oh, wait. So let's get back on yeah, track. Yeah, back on track. The, um, my, what always drew me was... The Jehovah's Witnesses, by contrast, were very, almost Catholic-like, very, there was no backflipping up the aisle, there was no choirs. Just music was, back then, on records. Right. 
Um, yeah, it seems very stripped very down. Very stayed. And I do remember, I actually had a really good friend in elementary school, um, and her family were Jehovah Witness. And I remember they didn't celebrate birthdays no, or holidays. Nothing. And everything was very simple. Your clothing was simple. Your life, you know, everything in your home was very stripped down. Um, the reason for the holidays really trips people out. I still, like, I'll get into it, but um, long story short, the weekends that I spent with my dad, I went to the Kingdom Hall. They don't go to churches, they go to the Kingdom Hall. So I would go to these Kingdom Halls, and I, I, one thing I noticed is like I would ask questions, mm -hmm. and they, as opposed to giving me an answer, mm -hmm. they would hand me the scriptures, hand me the Bible, and say, here's your answer. And if I had another question, it was the same thing. Rather than give me the answer where mm -hmm. it's, it looks like it's coming from them, mm -hmm. they would hand me your the passage that answers your question is right here. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Versus at open door, I would ask a question and I would get these vague, vague answers that I didn't understand. So at a young age, I started going, well, wait a minute. If I go to church and ask a question... I get these vague answers like he moves in mysterious ways. <laughs> yes, he does. Now pass the cornbread, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Praise him with the greens. That's right. <laughs> On the other side, I would go and get answers. So I'm like, okay, it's not as much fun, mm -hmm. but I'm getting answers to these questions I have. So... That's why I started listening as opposed to just sitting there ignoring. Right. So you were doing your research. You were getting yeah, was, the facts, right? I was researching. Right. From the basically. word. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so now where do you find yourself today religiously? You do still believe in God. Do you practice religion? Do you go, do you go to church? Do you, I, it, I'm or, or the kingdom? <laughs> definitely have more heavily leaning towards the witnesses just because doing all that research, again... Every time I needed an answer, they could provide it. Mm -hmm. So it would be like going in, going to two colleges. One college gave you these vague answers, but they had a really ornate, beautiful college. The other college kind of stayed, kind of reserved. Mm -hmm. But every time you had a question, they could lead you to it. Okay. So what was it like growing up in Philadelphia with two very religious parents uh, during, you know, uh, the 70s, right? You were born in 64. 64, yeah. So by the time the 70s roll around, you're entering adolescence. Um, but what was it like growing up as a young man, um, A, with parents who did not live in the same household, but clearly were influential on you? Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, again, for days. <laughs> um, it's good um, you can still remember all these yeah, things. Yeah, I'm pulling it back now. And before we go on, I just want to mention that Hoover, your bass player, Dan Hoover, is here sitting in, and Marion, your lovely girlfriend, are also here with us. And Elliot will at some point be joining us, your guitar player? So I'm here. He's, he's leaving now. Okay, so he may... Chime Papa. in, or if anybody has uh, any other factual information that they want to add while you're talking, please feel free to jump in and join us. The 70s. <laughs> um, I remember really bad clothing. 
Mm. I don't uh, know. I kind of dug some of those striped, uh, striped well, pants and. <laughs> I, I my favorite shirt that I remember, because we had shirts that were called Superfly shirts. Mm -hmm. They were fake silk and mm -hmm. had eight million colors on them. Superfly. Superfly. S U P A. Super. That's right. Super. <laughs> my favorite was a colony of ants, and it was like ants at a party. Ants at church, ants oh, at a picnic, hilarious. <laughs> on the shirt, and on the shirt, mm -hmm. and it had eight million colors, and I just thought it was the greatest thing ever that I had this colony of ants on my shirt. Where, where did you go to elementary school? John Sartain Elementary School. Where is that? 30th and Oxford, which was right around the corner from my house. I only had to, to go around the corner to go to school. And high school? High school, well... June, high school was Lincoln up in North, but that, Did there, you really go to Lincoln? There's another, there's a tale there. Um, John Sartain from kindergarten to seventh, eighth and ninth at Strawberry Mansion, hmm. where I learned I had to get the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. As um, fast as possible. As fast as possible. And why, why did you think that? What, what, what drew that conclusion? I, I, I'll give you one for instance. <laughs> this at, is seventh and eighth grade. Uh, yeah, okay. well, kindergarten through seventh, I was there at Strawberry Mansion, eighth and ninth grade. Okay. Um, getting chased home because we were too smart. Hmm. By other black kids? Oh yeah, because our roaches were supposedly better than theirs. Hmm. I went to Strawberry Mansion, uh, uh, I went to John Sartain, which, little tiny elementary school, but... We were, we were taught values. Mm -hmm. And education in Philadelphia at that point at wasn't that, completely destroyed. Yes. Yeah. Um, I definitely benefited from it. Mm -hmm. um, What's that about? That there's, you know, the smarter, I mean, within your own community, there's this message that it's not okay to be smart. It's not okay to excel. What, what is that about? I don't understand it either because coming from that school and anyone that came mm -hmm. from John Sartain got the same education I did mm -hmm. and I was not a straight-A student but I still got a lot from it mm -hmm. so uh, eighth and ninth at Strawberry Mansion the teacher would ask a question if I knew it my hand went up so it was screwing up the curve mm -hmm. so I got the you're screwing up the curve now we're gonna bang up a few of your curves mm -hmm. and apparently this happened to my older brother Michael oh. And coming home was the soda in the can. We had, back then the, the market was Pantry Pride. I don't even know. Yes, if they're, they're I remember so, Pantry you Pride. You remember Pantry Pride? <laughs> well, the Pantry Pride cans of soda. Where you could get supermarket sneakers there too. Yeah, uh, and yes in we did. In yes, the bins. Yes, we did. Five dollars would get both <laughs> of us a pair of sneakers. Exactly. <laughs> um, I had, we had the Pantry Pride sodas in our backpacks for school mm -hmm. and I remember my brother telling me don't drink the soda and I'm thinking mom gave us the soda I'm drinking the soda and he's like listen don't drink the soda okay so he was my older brother I didn't drink soda and he said did you remember the tube sock and I'm like yeah but I don't I still don't understand why I'm carrying the soda a sock yes but I didn't know and he said, are you still carrying the tube sock like I told you? I'm like, yeah, but I don't have any idea why I have a sock with my books. Just one sock. Is it a bookmarker? What's going on? He said, just make sure you have it. So 
we're getting chased home, and there was this one little bridge, and I still remember where it is, just, I don't remember, Sedgley is one of the mm-hmm. S streets, mm-hmm. and uh, we get to the other side of the bridge, and we're out of breath, so we pull, he says, let's pull over, and I'm like, but they're right behind us, they're not far behind us, he said, do what I do, so he opened his backpack, and he took the soda out, put it in the sock, pulled, and tied a knot. So I took my sock out, put the soda in the sock, and tied a knot. And then I'm like, okay, what are we going to now? You can't drink it through the sock. What, what, what is this for? Were you really that naive at that age? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did we edit that part? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm like, come on now. Get with the program, man. It's the soda sock. <laughs> I had no idea. So they come around the corner, and he starts swinging. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching it bounce off people's faces and doing its thing. And so I'm thinking, there's a lot, there's more of them than the two of us. I better swing too. So I close my eyes and just start (laughs) swinging. Is that the first time you were ever in a physical altercation? Yes. Growing up in the city of Philadelphia? Yes, that was the first time. Um, And then we we ran home. Mm -hmm ditched the bloody socks because if mom saw it she would ask what's going on mm-hmm. ditched the socks and i remember attempting to drink the soda <laughs> you still wanted that soda i wanted that soda yeah, well, it was yeah. pantry pride yes. grape yes <laughs> how stereotypical can you get i know <laughs> <laughs> but it was pantry pride grape soda and i wanted it and he said no because you open it you'll get the soda on your clothes mom's gonna ask what right happened. it's gonna spray because you've been shaking it up now it's an explosive Wow. So, but then you still went back to school after that. You had to. I mean, I had to finish that mm-hmm. grade. Did they still bother you after that? Point? Oh, no. <laughs> it still wasn't cool to raise your hand too much in class, but it was kind of like, okay, they're keeping their hands down. That's what we want. We don't want to get hit in the head with the soda With the sock. soda in the sock. <laughs> So then how, how did you wind up transferring to Lincoln? That's up in the Northeast. Um, voluntary busing. Right. You remember that? I did, because I went to Northeast High School. Okay, that was another one of the schools. And I traveled from down here, Center City. To go there. To go there, even though I'm white. I wasn't part of the voluntary busing program. Yeah. My dad lived in the Northeast, so I used his address. Ah. But I remember that happening um, in the late 70s. Late 70s. Yeah. Well, I had to get the heck out of there. Do you want to say what that is? Just for, you know, oh, listener. Vol- yeah, that, people may listen and have no idea what, what voluntary that was. busing is. The voluntary is. busing program it was the, the city's first. What they wanted to do was integrate some of the mostly white schools mm-hmm. with other ethnicities. Mm-hmm. Really what it was for was money because there was funding. Your school could get funding if you had other ethnicities. Mm-hmm. So it was like, hey, all we have to do is ship in some of these kids, change our numbers, mm-hmm. and then we can get some of these grants. But anyway, for me, it was a way out of Strawberry Mansion. I would have been beat half to death if mm-hmm. I had stayed there. And uh, what, what was it like transferring up to Lincoln? How, uh, how did, do you feel like... Um, you know, the the white students there were welcoming to the black students coming in from, it's, even though, because Northeast Philly is still part of the city of Philadelphia, but it truly is its own yes. entity. And when you say 
the city, no one thinks of the Northeast as the city. I remember when they tried to so, secede. <laughs> yes. So when, when, you, when black students were being bussed in, as they say, to Northeast Philadelphia, it was like you were, you know, these city kids yes. are coming in. So yes. what was that like? Uh, At that time the for you. summer of the summer that I signed up for it when school started was mm -hmm. when I would, but I you signed up at the tail end of the year before, mm -hmm. so that summer vacation, that the neighborhood kids were like, oh, you're gonna get beat up every day. You're too far away from home to run. Mm -hmm. You can't get help. Mm -hmm. You're heavily outnumbered. They're gonna hate you. Mm -hmm. And I was scared to death, but. I, my thought was, well, I'm scared to go back to Strawberry Mansion right. anyway Let's... because you're right from that whole soda in the sock thing. Some of those people could be waiting, mm -hmm. you know. You, I, I was right. screwed either way. Yeah, you have no either idea. way, I'm screwed. So, um, but what made it easier for me is I was always a bit of an outcast anyway. Um, long story short, mom decided one of her kids wasn't going to be ghetto fabulous, whatever you want to mm -hmm. call it. And since I was the baby, it was decided it was me. Right. So, um, I wasn't allowed to do the things that my older brother was allowed to do. I couldn't wear my head backwards or sideways. I couldn't walk with a stole. I couldn't use the language without getting popped upside the head. Mm -hmm. So I didn't learn those things. So, because I didn't know the culture, mm -hmm. it was kind of like, no, he's not cool. He can't hang with us. He can't be with us. So you were you were not accepted no. by your own no. race. No, <laughs> or peers of Pe your own peers, of your own Na race. neighborhood family. Yeah, no, definitely, he's the weird one. Mm. Um, and it, how I discovered rock was funny. I, back then, I would sleep with a, a transistor radio hanging mm -hmm. off my bedpost. Mm -hmm. And I would turn it on and the music would lull me to sleep, a little nine volt battery. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was mustard yellow and my brother's was purple. About yay big. I remember those. You remember yes. those? Got, got them at yes. Christie's. Well, that's when FM was sort of just, just yeah. you know, still make not making its debut, but gaining gaining more gaining speed some from, from AM, WFIL. Yeah, 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 yeah. We Willie Weber. We Willie <laughs> in Philadelphia. So hang on a second. So so Lincoln, you went for 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. 10th, 11th, and 12th. Okay. So did you experience any issues with racism there or, or aggression? Just one. Just really one. Um, the There was a girl that was getting on the Y bus. Mm -hmm. And she was waiting on someone's lawn, mm -hmm. sort of. It had a concrete fence. And the lady didn't like the fact that these kids were on sitting on her fence because her thought was, you're going to leave trash. Sure. Blah, blah, blah. A bunch of black kids sitting on my fence, and I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what they're going to do. So she's watering her lawn, and she told them several times to move. And the bulk of them moved, but there may be one or two of them decided, I'm not hurting anything. I'm just sitting here waiting for the bus. Mm -hmm. I'm not moving. So the old lady wet her and her books. And she 
gotta grab the hose and of course the metal end of the hose mm -hmm. and started hitting the old lady with it. Oh my goodness. Father Judge, which was the Catholic boys yeah. high school, yeah. their bus let out and they saw this happening. And this was a Mm -hmm. Bus full of white, sure, white I boys. Know. Yeah, Father Judge was the Boys Catholic School, and they rode the L back to the Northeast every day. Well, they they jumped on her, so like fifteen or twenty jumped on wow. her, beat her to a pulp. Did that make it in the news? I don't know. I don't know. But as far as Lincoln, it was it was a big deal. Big deal. Yeah. So she makes it back to the high school. And tells everybody, hey, this is what just happened to me. So they take her to the hospital. And of course, now it's time to choose sides and retaliate. Mm -hmm. So what this little tiny percentage, whatever percentage we were, I don't know, 8% mm -hmm. something. Sure. Um, everyone was supposed to, at that point, go to the bus stop where this happened. And when that busload of Father Judge boys gets off, we're waiting for them. So bring every weapon you have, because we're out heavily outnumbered, mm -hmm. so bring everything you have. And my thought was, well, wait a minute. I heard what happened, but how am I supposed to choose sides? So I'm going to stay out of it. I'm going to go take the 66 on Frankfurt Avenue. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I'm not bringing the soda sock. I'm not, no more soda sock. And, but you, it, it, like everyone was supposed to choose sides. Yeah. But it's like I had made friends black and white. Mm -hmm. And it was like, well, okay, what happened was pretty bad, but how am I supposed to choose sides? I'll stay out of it and let the dust settle. And that's some pretty serious business. I mean, even though it's the late 70s, you know, I don't, I don't think uh, at that point um, youth were carrying guns to no. the degree that no, they no, are no. now. And, no. and even knives. I mean, it was more fighting with your fists and the soda sock. And, and, and a soda sock. <laughs> you know, and, and throwing rocks and That's things like that. But, but even so, I mean, there's a pretty big risk involved there in getting into a, a large brawl like that. Um, you know, that, that you could be badly hurt, you could hurt somebody else, you know. One person was. Um, one of the guys brought one of his mom's butcher knives. Hmm. And he attempted to. So he was. He was yeah, serious. Yeah. And he attempted to kill one kid, but he just slashed him, and the kid survived. And did what happened to the boy that did that? No one ever told who, who did it. Was. it. And um, see again, I'm glad I was not there. Sure. I didn't see it. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that that is the only. That's pretty scary. But that it was that one. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. Okay. So, um, backing up a little bit in talking about your parents, I mean, it sounds like your mom was more strict with you and, 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 and she flipped it around. Usually it's the first kid that you're hard on and easy on everybody else thereafter, but instead she was pretty strict with you. Can you talk a little bit about your relationship with your dad? Because you haven't really talked about him much. It sounds like your mom was the one that was the main person in your life raising uh, because you. I was living in her house mm -hmm. uh, dad I would spend like weeks during the summer or uh, during the school year I'd spend weekends mm -hmm. he was living with my aunt at the time she at that point was unmarried and raising two kids mm -hmm. so he could be there um, to help her out help with the kids that mm -hmm. type thing um, so when I was staying there 
they were all Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay. So I got to see what it was like for the kids, um, the whole thing of no no holidays, why there were no holidays. Mm -hmm. um, why were there no holidays? The belief is if it's not in the scriptures, you're not supposed to celebrate it. The things that you are supposed mm -hmm. to celebrate are in the scriptures. Anniversaries, mm -hmm. uh, birthdays, no. Okay. Uh, Christmas, no. Easter, okay. no. Thanksgiving, no. Valentine's Day, no. None of that's in there. Okay. And it, again, made sense. I'm like, okay, the belief is it is not in there, so all of this other stuff. Mm -hmm. So to this day, do you celebrate any I of the don't celebrate holidays? anything. And it started before I even got into that, really. Um, the last time I celebrated Christmas, um, I remember there was some hoopla over gifts. And I just said to my mother, you know what, I don't want to be a part of this. And she said, you know what, I'm not going to make you. If you don't want to be a part, you don't have to. And from that on, from that point on, I was little. I didn't want any part of Christmas, Easter. To, that Just leave me out of it. Done. Yeah, done. Okay. Um, I just want to say that Elliot is here, so you can say hi if you'd like. Welcome, Hello. guitar player of Thorazine. If um, anything uh, Dallas is saying, if you want to chime in or add to, please feel free. You guys don't have to stay in the background quietly, and I may actually have questions for you to pull you in at some point. As we get to that Even point. Even though this is your interview, certainly um, outside, um, uh, you know, opinions are valued, so um, don't be afraid. Um, so let's talk a little bit about music. So you, you know, Baptist church, you got all the singing and the foot stomping, you know, and, and so that is there. And then you mentioned that your dad is also a musician. He played the bass. So I, I'm going to make that assumption then that your earliest influences were your parents uh, musically. Is that the case? Yeah. Um, I remember carrying... I was too little to carry anything, but I wanted to help. So the only thing that I could carry was like a guitar stand mm -hmm. um, when dad had gigs because that at that point that's what he did for a living what what um who did he play with tell me about that what did he do the one that i remember the most were the peppermints and they played what kind of music r&b blues um more r&b mm -hmm. around philly oh no nationwide oh. they but that whole thing of uh the chitlin circuit mm-hmm <laughs> Tra traveling in in uh, station wagons, mm -hmm. he has he had all those stories, wow. but it was all R and B that type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, Terrell, Tammy Terrell, the singer, her mm -hmm. dad, who's a Nor Norman Harris. Let me get this right, Norman Harris, who's a producer now, was either in the band or helping them way back then. Now he's like, mm -hmm. you say Norman Harris and music circles, everybody knows who he is. But at that point, he was just this well-to-do guy that I only got to go to his house twice. Mm. Did you go to a lot of your dad's gigs? Not a lot of them, but I remember one time they played a party for the Phillies, the Philadelphia Phillies. Mm -hmm. How old were you? Seven. Grade school. Yeah, I was still in grade school. Yeah. And they, uh, 
they were the band after the game. So we got to see the last and mm-hmm. the tail end of the game. And then the, the fans left and it was just the Phillies and management and the band. Mm-hmm. It was just a party for them. And what was that like for you to see your dad play? I don't remember seeing him playing. What I remember is the other Phillies. Like, mm. who's that one? Who's that? You know, that's what <laughs> I remember. He was a seven-year-old boy in baseball. <laughs> yeah, it's like, who's that? Who's that? Well, so, but let's talk a little bit about that musical influence. I mean, when you're a drummer. Is that your first instrument? Or, you know, let, tell me about where did it start for you? When did you start I thought because my dad's a guitar player, his dad was a guitar player, that I would be a guitar mm-hmm. player. Not gonna happen. Okay. <laughs> that did not happen. I bought. I ran out as soon as I had. I was working for Dad um, on weekends, mm-hmm. learning to, to fix TVs and radios. Back when you fixed them instead of buying new ones. Yes. Well, you can't really fix these little electronics. No, nah, that's things. true. That's true. But back then, everything. There's no was, wires. There's, there's no tubes. There's no wires. So that's how I learned how to solder and mm-hmm. everything was from t- fixing TVs and radios. Mm-hmm. And. Um, so that's how I was making my money in, in Dad's shop on and Lancaster. And how old were you at that point? I guess I started, I was like 11. Okay. Somewhere in there. So you took the money that you were making with Dad. He had a shop where you bought He had a shop TVs on Lancaster in your, Avenue, yeah. In West Philly. In West mm-hmm. Philly. That is now called Lava. What's that building. That? It's a like a community center. Okay. That was my father's building. Downstairs was the... Uh, the family business, mm-hmm. and then above it were apartments. And then later I lived in the second floor apartment. Oh, wow. Um, but, so that's, I would t- I took the money, and it was a pawn shop, a block up. Mm-hmm. And I bought, like, my first amp, my first guitar. And my dad figured he would show me, but having your dad show mm-hmm. you is... The, the, prior, but prior to this time I mean had had you had any um take any music classes no. or nothing and your dad wasn't showing you things on the no. bass or nothing your mom wasn't making you sing in choir this was sort of your first like I'm gonna get a guitar and I'm gonna learn how to play well at that point what actually I'm glad you said that because that was after I was that was after early on my first attempt um my brother got in trouble at school because he was always beating on things. So mm-hmm. they suggested to my mother, get him a drum kit. Mm-hmm. She, my dad was a musician. He talked to a few of his friends. Do you have a whole piece of crap drum, sh- drum set you can sell me cheap? Mm-hmm. Got it for like, I don't know, $100. Gave it to him. He played for a hot minute and then it just sat in the basement. So when he would go run out in the street, and I wasn't allowed to run around, you know, she mm-hmm. wanted me under lock and key, keep her eye on me, I'd sneak down in the basement and bang around on his drum kit. But I, mm-hmm. I, my thought was, I'm going to be a guitar player. Right. So I never really learned anything. I just beat around on it, left it alone. Um, but a bunch of years later is when I bought my first guitar, first amp, and that's when I really learned it ain't working. Did you take formal lessons, or it was just with your dad? No, it was just me. Okay. Just me. Um, trying to imitate records. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like you could Google it back then. No. You know, so... <laughs> I, or go on YouTube. Or go on YouTube. Take you know? guitar lessons, right? I, um, 
I've, I got a hold of a book from somewhere that showed me what the chords look like. Mm-hmm. And when my the first couple of times my hand cramped from mm-hmm. trying to make these chords, I said, screw this. It's a lot of work. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not bending my hand up like a pretzel, <laughs> screw this. <laughs> so, so did you then go back and pick up your brother's drum kit and start playing around with that? Or how, no, how did the drums still, come in? The drums came in again. Being, I guess, a frustrated guitar player, I figured, well, I gotta try something. I wanna do something. Because my family was never involved in sports. To this day, mm-hmm. I still couldn't care less about sports. Mm-hmm. But um, dad was a musician, his dad was a musician. On my mother's side, there were musicians in the family mm-hmm. on, that, on that side. So I said, it's in there, I'm just picking the wrong in- instrument. My dad suggested play trumpet. I tried that and it's like, no, no, nah, I'm not spitting into a brass <laughs> horn. No, that's Again, it's a lot of work. <laughs> you need a high VO2 max to play <laughs> the trumpet. <laughs> I tried it because he had one lying around the house, but yeah. no, nah, that wouldn't work. Did he play a lot of different instruments beside the bass? He tried. Mm-hmm. Let's leave it right there. Okay. But he played. <laughs> that was his bass. He thing. played bass and guitar. Okay. And he tried the horn, mm-hmm. the, the trumpet. He tried the violin. That was that was pretty hard. Um, but yeah. nothing else yeah. stuck. So you dabbled around. I then... dabbled around. And everybody, everybody that knows me knows this story. I learned how to play drums really f- listening to two albums, two Rolling Stones albums. Which ones? Tattoo You and Emotional Rescue. Mm. And my first drum kit kit was a drum pad on a metal stalk that I took out of an old radio. Mm. I used what I had. And sure. I had a, <laughs> a Muppet bass drum, kid's bass drum. <laughs> it was made of tin. <laughs> How old were you at this point? <laughs> I had to, at that point, I was like 12 or 13. So you're working on joining the uh, the Muppet band and playing I, with Animal? I don't know. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted drums because, wait a minute, hold it. I was older than that because I was living, I was around 13. Okay. I was around 13. <clears throat> and um, my dad would let me set this up at his place. I had no place for this at home. Did you guys know that you had a drummer from the Muppets. He was previously in the Muppet band. <laughs> Unfortunately, everybody knows this story. Um, so the bass drum was a tin bass drum with a, a permanently attached kick uh-huh. pedal. And I took a metal rod, drilled a hole in it, because of course I knew how to drill. Yeah. Drilled a hole in it, mounted the metal stalk, mounted the drum pad to that. That was my snare. So now I got a snare, now I got a kick drum. Now you're ready to play. Well, hi hats. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know all the names of everything in the <laughs> the repertoire. I got. Two... Don't tell me you pulled out some kitchen pans or anything like that. No, <laughs> I. I actually had two cymbals that cost my do- my dad eight bucks, so you can just hear the quality. Yes. <laughs> two cymbals, and I put a bolt through them, mm-hmm. and I put them on a music stand because I didn't know what a hi hat stand was. Mm-hmm. But I put. I knew I needed something here, 
So I put it on a music stand. You were R.L. Burnside before yes. R.L. Burnside. <laughs> before. <laughs> so then I, with my drum pad, my Muppet bass drum, mm -hmm. and two $8 cymbals <laughs> on a music stand, and Charlie Watts. Mm. And what I did was I would listen, and it was albums. Mm -hmm. So I'd put one on top of the other, right. play, and I'd play along, play along to the other, then huh. get over, flip them. And, and when I could it up. play it, without dropping the sticks mm -hmm. or screwing up. Now, I figured at that point, now it's time to go lie my way into a band. Okay. We'll get to that. <laughs> but so you, so you really learned how to play drums just by ear. Yeah. Do you know, can you read music now? Or do you understand like the notes? Or you just still kind of do everything by I feel? Do, I still do everything by ear. But there was a brief moment we'll get to where I did take lessons briefly, but the, I was in my 30s, Okay. I guess. Yeah. All right. So before you joined a band, let's back up a second here. Music. What were your early music influences? Who were you listening to? Well, uh, um, coming up, I thought the only music that existed was R&B. I was, no, was going to say, don't tell me who's at church at the... No, no, I thought... Well, yeah, you're right. You're, you're right. Gospel at Gospel. church. But in my mind, that was just at church. Yeah, it was yeah. like the music never left yeah. the church. But there's a lot that comes out of gospel and R&B. True. Into, I mean, Rolling Stones, you, you know, have such a heavy influence, um, I think. They, no, they do. Yeah. They do. But... Um, I thought that there was really, for secular music, mm -hmm. the only thing that existed was R&B. Mm -hmm. That's it. I'd never heard anything else besides gospel at church. Right. Um, and I, it never resonated with me. It wasn't, it, it just didn't hit home. Mm. And, but I never knew that there was anything else. So, so how did you discover that there was anything else? This takes us back to the mustard yellow transistor radio <laughs> hanging off the bedpost. Um, as I would go to sleep... Google now, it if you don't know what don't... a transistor radio is. Oh, that's right. Kids <laughs> today won't know what that is. That's funny that you say that. <laughs> they won't know what My that is. My 10-year-old will not know what a transistor radio is. Wow. Like said, or a dial telephone, maybe? Or, no, he may know that. Yeah, Google it. Google it. <laughs> so, um, it played music at one time. <laughs> on a 9-volt battery. Um, so the lights were off, and the way the bedroom worked was in the summer my brother had his own room because we mm -hmm. never got along mm -hmm. and in the winter his the bedroom in the back of the house had no heat mm -hmm. so he would share a bedroom with me during the winter months to stay warm to stay warm mm -hmm. so it was my bed space his bed and the light is off because we're supposed to go to sleep so that you're mm -hmm. up on, on time for school elementary again and because the light's off, you had to learn where the buttons were, where mm. the knobs were on your radio. Right, they did not light up. Yeah, there was, they, they did not light up. There was none of that. So I'm trying to switch between WDAS and WHAT. Oh. Because, again, yeah. in my mind, that's, just, yeah. oh, that's all that exists. Yeah. And I must have gone too far, and I ended up on, like, MMR. Yeah, because I think back then it, there weren't too many other options there for <laughs> rock stations. And I hit MMR, and the first song I heard was The Kinks. Oh, really? And I'm Do you remember what song? 
I used, I'm, oh, this is a bad time to, to forget, but yes, I am under normal circumstances. I can tell <laughs> I you this I song. Know, it's okay. So I, I hear this and I'm mm-hmm. thinking, what is this? Because mm-hmm. again, I'm thinking this isn't, mm-hmm. this isn't Gladys Knight and the Pips. This isn't right. what I'm used to. Right. What is this? So I listened some more. Normally I would put it on very softly and it would just help me go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Instead of going to sleep, my black ass was up half the night. Well, because DAS, too, at night would play that softer R&B yes. stuff, too. Like, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. here, I used to listen to that radio station as well, and you could, the, the music changed it throughout did. the day. The nighter, the later right. it got. But MMR, I don't think, did no. that sort of thing. There so, was maybe some Pink Floyd at, at midnight. At midnight or something. That, I don't know. But I heard the Kinks first. Um, you really got me. Ah, you really got me now. <clears throat> and I'm thinking, what, what is that? Mm-hmm. And I'd never heard a guitar sound like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, what's wrong with the guitar? I'm smacking my radio. <laughs> That's too much distortion. Just, something's distorted. <laughs> what's that noise? Then I heard stones. Then I don't, I, I, I always lose it. I remember the kinks, mm-hmm. the stones, and then there was something else. And at that point, I was hooked. Mm-hmm. I don't know what this stuff is. And because the lights are off and I can't turn them on without waking my brother, yeah. I don't know what station this is. Yeah. But I kept listening the rest of the night. I remember being tired the next day mm-hmm. because I was up discovering this stuff. Yeah. So the next morning, getting ready for school, I looked because I wanted to remember where that was on the yeah. radio dial. So that became what I listened to hmm. instead of R&B. And I started hearing all these other rock songs mm-hmm. that everybody else into rock already knew that I didn't. Were any of your friends? Oh, hell no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. In fact, um, there was one kid that got his radio smashed and his head popped open because he had the audacity to play... <laughs> Van Halen through his boombox. <laughs> and it was like, no, 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 no. So they smashed his radio and beat yeah. him up. Why do you, what's that about? I mean, was there just this... this? Uh... You were a traitor. You were a traitor because you didn't listen to this. There was still, in, in the 70s and into the 80s, and, and even today, obviously, but there was a great deal of racism in Philadelphia in our generation were you aware of the division in the city growing up no um, because the only t- the only white faces i saw were teachers and cops mm-hmm. until until high school when i went to lincoln right so you were kind of in a bubble in a bubble in your neighborhood yeah. and it i didn't i wasn't raised to with the whole hate or any of that. It was just like, oh, they look different than me. But you didn't notice. or I mean, I just remember seeing, hearing, you know, f- when family would talk. I mean, you'd get together on the holidays and you, you heard, heard the, the bigots in your family. And yeah. You heard the, the, you know, family members who were hippies in the 60s and they didn't think that way and they were more evolved and the arguments that would ensue. I, so I, I just, got to overhear that as well when the grown-ups were talking. Mm-hmm. But um, we... I wasn't part of it. Yeah. I was a kid listening to grown-ups talking. Yeah. And um, since our little insular bubble, mm-hmm. I can't say 
we were we were not in the suburbs, but right. definitely my little the street that I was on, yeah. that wasn't going on. You had to go a few blocks over mm-hmm. to see hood life. Mm-hmm. Where I was, we had families where mom and dad in the same house, mom, dad, kids, mm-hmm. owned the house, weren't renters like us, right. but owned their, their homes. Both parents worked. Mm-hmm. And I noticed... For us, that was normal, but you could go a couple blocks in any direction, and it yeah. looked like good times. Hmm. Interesting. So, punk rock. Hmm. How does that, I mean, how do you discover the whole world of punk and hardcore? Here's this kid who's in a boat, living kind of in this insult. And you're right. I mean, it's, you know... Um, I've worked in in human services for over 20 years in Philadelphia and a lot of the African-American youth that I worked with had a very similar experience to what what you're telling me in terms of kind of growing up in their neighborhood and not really being so aware of what's happening outside of their neighborhood. So how do you find punk? Because that sure as hell ain't happening in Strawberry <laughs> no, Mansion no, it was not. in 1981. Um, um, I graduated in 82. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't happening at Lincoln, because I went to Northeast you High, were, and sure as shit no, was it, not No, it was there. not. I didn't discover... They were still in Led Zeppelin yes. and baseball jerseys. Yes. And, you know, and Springsteen. And Springsteen. and Talking about a yeah. um, uh, little sidetrack, Lincoln. I, Lincoln High School. Mm-hmm. What I vividly remember was the, the lawn. And you had... The lawn was segregated, but not by race. Mm-hmm. You had the rockers over yes. here and the discoers over yes. here. And I sat with the rockers. Mm. And it was like, I was that kid. It, mm-hmm. was, it was a few of us. We but... called them dirtbags. D- <laughs> Even though I was hanging out there with them. You were, you were calling. Rock, well, our set, like we were considered dirtbags. We were, you know, like that's kind of, you know, the pothead. I don't know. That's what they... <laughs> That was the name. For for us, it that was That wasn't at Lincoln. That was a Northeast High School thing. And the discoers. And there were white kids on the disco side. Mm-hmm. And it was a couple of chips on the cookie. Mm. I was a chip. You were a chip. On yeah. the rock side. Yeah. And you could look th- on the lawn and it was like, one, <laughs> two, and a half. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that was about it. Yeah. But that music pulled me. Mm-hmm. And then there was one kid, Scott Doskis, who lived in Kensington. There's a run-in with racism. He said, hey, you seem to be really into this stuff. Come over my house. I'll let mm-hmm. you listen to some of my stuff. So he in introduced Kensington. me in Kensington. Sure, it's 1979. But, but I, didn't, I didn't know. I just wanted to learn I didn't even more. go to Kensington. <laughs> Well, At that time. That was my dumb black ass in Kensington. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm in Scott Daskus's house, Polish kid. And uh, he introduced me to Motorhead, oh, wow. Venom, mm. the Ramones, which I was digging the Ramones. He didn't like the Ramones. Mm. So my first Ramones album was from him because he oh, wanted wow. to get rid of it. Oh. He was a metalhead. Punk wasn't his thing. Sure. So... 
he was like, oh yeah, I'm like, who's that? And he's like, oh, they're the Ramones. I'm not really into them. He's like, and you want it? And I'm mm -hmm. like, sure, I'll take it. Mm -hmm. And I, so that my first Ramones album, he gave me because he didn't want it. But he introduced me to Motorhead, Venom, Judas Priest, a slew of bands. Mm -hmm. So we're in his bedroom banging out to, and he's like, you ever hear this? Here, I'll put this on. And I'm mm -hmm. I didn't hear any of this. I'm just sitting there like, yeah. Well, and everything back then was so word of mouth and sort of stumbling upon things. You did not have the there internet. There was no internet. <laughs> you know, and, and even at that time, WKDU Radio and XPN was around, but if you didn't find it on your radio dial, you and their bandwidth was so small that it, it, depending on where you lived in the city... It, Sometimes you couldn't get it. You couldn't get it. So, so um, we're listening, The Sun Goes Down. And that part of Kensington, don't be brown mm -mm. when, the, <laughs> when sun the sun goes go down. down. <laughs> <laughs> I hear and that, yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. So we're coming out of his place. <laughs> now it's, I'm laughing, but honestly, <laughs> it's like, I'm laughing because it's true, but it's, it's also it's true, really, really sad. I mean, it's, it's quite unfortunate that that's how things work. So we're, we're coming out of his place. Now the sun's down, and I'm brown and mm -hmm. around. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're coming out of there and heading back towards the L. And I had to get to the Somerset L stop. Mm -hmm. And I was living in West Philly, so I had to get on the L to get to West yeah. Philly. And uh, as we're walking through, he said, just stay with me and don't look anybody in the eye. Just stay with me and keep your eyes forward. I'm like, okay. So I got my Ramones record. So, I mean, did you, you understood at that point kind of what he meant? No, not yet. You were so naive. I guess so. That Mom was... kept me in the house. Give, she give sure another did. <laughs> she sure did. So uh, we're heading for the L, and I got my Ramones record, my backpack mm -hmm. with my school books in it, and there was a speakeasy. Mm. And he said, don't look in there. So, of course, when somebody yeah, says, you gotta don't look. look in there, yes. I kind of looked in there. And a guy came out and said, what's he doing here? Mm. And Scott said, uh-oh, when I run, you run. And I said, why are we running? That guy went back in, mm -hmm. and when he came out, he brought friends. You had no soda sock. <laughs> I got no soda. All I got is a Ramones record, and I'm keeping that. Oh, man. So here we are running for the Somerset L-Stop. And apparently that was the safety zone because there was too many lights, too many cops, mm -hmm. too much going on. Mm -hmm. And he's telling me this. He said, if we can just get you to the L, you'll be all right. I'm like, well, they could throw me off the L. Mm -hmm. Are you sure this is a good plan? He says, yes, we get you to the L, you'll be all right. Mm. Run, run, run. <laughs> <laughs> we get to the L, sure enough, a couple of cops, light, everything's all lit up. So I take his word and uh -huh. go up there. But I'm thinking, because back then things weren't gated in. Yeah. You could easily yeah. just, ah! Yeah. So I'm, st <laughs> I'm standing, standing up there, not too many people. Mm -hmm. Train comes, of course, I get on. Mm -hmm. and that was the end of that. Then we, I, the next day, because I was wondering. What were you thinking? I'm I mean, thinking, it... I'm now on the L, uh -huh. and I'm obviously going to make it home. Yeah. How is he going to make it home? Mm. Because he had me in his neighborhood. Right. Um, so the next day at school, I'm like, well, what did you do? He, he just explained to them, look, this kid 
really in the rock, doesn't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. We were just listening to records. Time got away from us. I tried to get him out of here before the sun went down, but we were listening to records. Because everything he said to me, you ever hear this? No. He put it on. You ever heard of that? No. He put it on. So, so why was it okay in the daylight, but not when the sun went down? I never asked. <laughs> Is there like some unspoken rule, like at I, night? I, obviously, like people of color suddenly at night grow fangs and become and a, tail. a threat. Don't forget the tail to, to the rest of the community. But in the daytime, it's all right because you're right. just shopping at the yeah. K and A. Yeah, if if you're just shopping, I guess it's okay. Hmm. The you know it's because Kensington Avenue was a big place to go shopping back then. Well, it's funny that you said K and A because there's a bar called Kellis's that's still there to this mm -hmm. day. We were the band I was in was called Outcast, and it was three piece band before the other Outcast. Be, yeah, yeah, way before <laughs> the Outcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, that my old Outcast got kicked out of Kellis's, uh -huh. and I remember we <laughs> we uh, were playing there. They we sent a, a cassette, a demo tape back uh -huh. when they were cassettes. Uh -huh. And we just assumed that he listened to it. Why else would you hire someone that you'd never listened right. to the tape? We got there, we set up, and we started going through. Was it rock music? It was rock yeah. music. Um, was this your first band? No. Okay. The first band, that's another. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go back. But the, So this is Outcast, and we're playing, we're, we're just warming up a little we're going on mm -hmm. in about an hour and uh the bartender comes over and says uh this ain't gonna work and we're like what you, you hired us you mm -hmm. said we'd get x amount of dollars if we mm -hmm. played this much time we're here we're ready mm -hmm. there's only three of us and we're all three are here and he said um how can i put this uh there's a motorcycle club that's coming here mm. and they want to dance. See the disco ball? <laughs> a motorcycle club? <laughs> well, they wanted to bring their dates ah. and I, obviously their dates wanted to dance and because they had a black guy in the band, mm. because there was a picture mm -hmm. and the, the cassette tape, well, I guess they looked at they the picture and they said, okay, black guy, that's going to be dance music. We started with The Rock, and it was like, oh, no. Oh. Let's get you out of here before they arrive. Because when they arrive... They want to hear disco. And if you play what you're going to play, you and your instruments won't make it out of here. Wow. So I suggest, I strongly suggest, you take this portion that I promised and get your equipment out of here before you and your equipment don't make it out. What year was that? remember had to be in the 80s had to be later 80s so we we got paid a couple of dollars to to play like one song mm -hmm. and then we had to hurriedly yeah. get our equipment yeah. back into the car what so what was your first band Massifist, also called jolly roger <laughs> if <laughs> if will hears this he'll know what? What, what's the connection to that? Well, I was a bicycle messenger. Mm -hmm. And Will worked at Curtis's Bicycle mm -hmm. Shop via bicycle when it was still on Broadway. I think I actually know Will. 
I know everybody. You know everybody. I actually do think I know Will. Will Kill? You yes. Will Kill. Will Kill. Yeah, I know Will. Um, well, he worked at Curtis's <laughs> Thank you, bike Lord. shop. Yeah. And I'm in there getting my bike fixed. And uh, I tell Curtis, I want to get into a band. You know, I'd practiced my Rolling Stones enough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was, right. re was ready to ready. join a band. And so you were still into rock at that point. Yeah, I really yes. made that move to the dark side of... And never went back. Ne like, to this day, I don't want anything to do with dance music. I don't yeah. like rap. I don't but like I mean, as far as getting into, like, all the punk stuff, I mean, that was still yet to come That through. was still yet to... Will was that first band mm -hmm. was my leap. Okay. And it was that. through meeting him as a bike messenger. Yeah. He, so he, one of his first questions, uh, I said to Curtis, I wanted to join a band. He says, well, my, one of my mechanics is a mm -hmm. guitar player. He's trying to start a band. Mm -hmm. He's on guitar, and I think he sings. What do you play? I said, I play drums. So he says, oh, Will, come here. And Will was in the back, and he comes mm -hmm. out. And we don't know each other. Mm -hmm. And he says, uh, I said, so you're trying to start a band? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. mm -hmm. so at this point I'm like okay and I'm thinking just looking at him he's got all this experience that sure, I don't right. well so he's I, got the swagger he's got yeah. the swagger yeah, so I'm, I'm like, starting a band so what who wants yeah, to know pr pretty much just like that so I'm <laughs> everyone's thinking, a rock star <laughs> <I'm crap. laughs> so I'm thinking I gotta lie now because I have no band experience yeah. none Yeah. so he's like what band you played with? And I'm like, uh, a few. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. But were you pretty, you were proficient, though. I mean, you uh, yeah? Sort of. Okay. I could play the Stone songs. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, well, I, I know a bass player, Dave Burtwell, mm -hmm. Blunder Boys. Yeah. Um, he, we'll, we'll, we'll audition you at his place. Here's the address. So I write it down. And we meet up at Burtwell's. Mm -hmm. And I'm nervous. I, I think there was no, like, here, learn these songs. Mm -hmm. It was like I was going to learn them there live. Yeah. So Burtwell, one of his first questions, oh, you know, did, have you played around before? And I'm mm -hmm. like, uh, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, yeah. Yeah, in my neighborhood. <laughs> i never played yeah. anywhere. <laughs> so um, we bumbled through a few songs, and they decided, eh, you'll do. Mm -hmm. So I thought, the lie worked and we played a couple shows and then that was the end of that but from that point we at Abe's Steakhouse with this band this band we we were at Abe and we probably opened for yeah, who some, did you open for do you remember I just remember that it was packed mm -hmm. and it was not because of us <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was a very small venue, too. It was, it was it not was. difficult for that place to fill to up. To fill but, up. But, but yeah. I remember it was at Abe's. So we played Abe's and possibly somebody's party mm -hmm. somewhere. Okay. But the gig that I really got bit was at Abe's. And we're up there playing, opening for God knows who. Mm -hmm. And... You remember Abe's? You remember mm -hmm. oh, the, yeah. the fridge mm -hmm. where people would stage dive yes. off the fridge? I had never seen that before. You're so like, what I'm is like, happening? what is going on? And this kid jumps off. He had orange shorts on. He jumped off the fridge mm -hmm. at Abe's into mm -hmm. the pit. Mm -hmm. They hold him up. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was the greatest thing ever. 
So from there, then it was like, well, this is this band. Sure. This, this is WK, WKDU. Yeah. This is where you listen. Yeah. And that was how that all started. So how did you find Thorazine? Hmm. Or did Thorazine find you? Who, who started Thorazine? And I know I've I've interviewed Joanne, your lead singer. But, yeah. You know I'm gonna make you know there, the assumption that not everybody has heard that. From your perspective. Yes. So I'm gonna yeah. let you. Yeah. I'm gonna let you go. Okay. Um, how I met. You Ellie. just tell me if he's telling it right. Yeah. You know he tells it right. How I met Elliot was the band I was in, which had no name mm-hmm. at that point. Um. The wait a minute. We had a name. We were after birth, and then we decided we needed to change the name, but that came later. So the charming name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always. Yeah. We get a lot of. We get a lot of. Yeah. Were you in Afterbirth, Elliot? Uh, I don't think we actually did. We actually play out as Afterbirth. Not as. So a, you two not as knew each other. I think we might have played a, a show as, as Afterbirth. I think right. so. So we we did play one as Thorazine. So how did, did you before Joanne? Really. How, Okay. Hang on. How did you meet Elliot? Elliot, from the back of the trading times. Ah. Um, we needed someone. Was it a BBS? Was, ah, you're right. It was a it was, BBS. Uh, what's Highlander BBS? Highlander BBS. This is before the internet. Pre- what is pre- Highlander BBS? It predates the internet. <laughs> BBS is bulletin board services. Pre-internet. Walmart systems. Whatever. Systems, services. Right. Um, but like a magazine. No, 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 no. You dial, you have a modem with a computer, and you dial into their server, mm-hmm. and then you had like chat rooms and all kinds with of... With like six people was, in there. Like you, you have like chat threads, basically. Mm-hmm. Not rooms, but chat threads. Mm-hmm. And that's you, that's how you See, interacted. See, this, we're looking for We would download pirated games. Yeah. I, I used to call it beat it and delete it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you guys found each other through this system. I was looking for... I don't know why she even admit that. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for someone to record our demo. And Elliot responded and said, Hey, I have a portable studio, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. I have a recorder. Was it a four-track or a six-track? Six-track. Six-track. And he had all these mics. Mm-hmm. So he said, Hey, I can do that. And I can come to you. And we were I practicing at 40th and Lancaster, above right. my, the, the old family business. Mm-hmm. And Love that place. Yeah. Love that was that the first. Yeah. The Neighborhood is heater. okay. We had this gas heater <laughs> yes. down into the wall. Yes. And it kicked out so much heat, it heated the whole place. <laughs> my, Just so everybody knows, this is Elliot talking in the background. <laughs> so I can see you talking, but I'm realizing people may not know whose voice that is. So, um, so we're on Lancaster Avenue. And... Um, at that point, I, I was still with Afterbirth, and mm-hmm. we wanted to record a demo, but we didn't, we didn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. He chimes up on BBS. I'm on BBS one night, and Elliot says, hey, I can do that, but here's how we're going to do this. Your drummer, which he didn't know was me, has to play a gig with me and my buddy Chris. So and I, Chris was the bass player. No, he was a guitar player. I think they had me playing bass. You were on bass. Even though I was a guitar player, I was playing bass for them. And I don't know what we were calling ourselves. uh, We didn't even know. What's the name of that band that's on the Muppets? Something Something River Nightmare Band. 
That's what we called ourselves. Okay. Oh yeah. River bottom. River bottom. River, River bottom, bottom man. From from um L uh, Emmett and Otter's Jungle yes, Christmas. Yes. One of my favorite Christmas yes. movies. Well, <laughs> anyway, it was like a joke. I just it was admitted a joke. that. I just admitted <laughs> just that. Just a small that project that we were doing. It was just like, you know, <laughs> we had to do something to get out and play. It wasn't like a permanent yeah, yeah. band thing, but yeah. we just wanted to get out and play River bottom. like an open mic night or something, yeah. you know. So, so yeah. I, I had to play <laughs> drums funny. for his band. In exchange, he would record my band. Okay. So I said, I'm the drummer. I agree to this. So he said, great. When can we do this? Mm -hmm. So I said, well, let me contact my band, and then I'll tell you. Mm -hmm. Call my bandmates up. Come back, you know, come to my house Friday night, whatever night. This guy's going to come down and record our demo. Then we'll have a demo. Then we can get gigs. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So everybody comes over to my house. And um, he comes down, sets up all the mics and all this stuff to get sound mm -hmm. from the room. But I had to be very, um, I had to really, uh, I couldn't mic everything because I only had six tracks. <laughs> so I had to be very inventive. I don't yeah. forget what I did, but. It was, we, we it, finally we got figured it, it, figured out. it out. We didn't know the difference anyway. So for me, it was all right. great. Right. I thought it was we're great. recording. Yeah, we're recording. I'm, I'm a rock star on Legacy Avenue. <laughs> so what? That's right. I play in a band. I play in a band. I got, I got years of experience. Yes. Don't get it twisted. Now you got the swagger. Right. Yeah. All of a sudden, I got mine. So he, we're recording and whatnot, and Elliot's recording it. And um, after it's over, we're done recording. Elle says, hey, does anybody mind if I pick up this guitar and just kind mm -hmm. of noodle around for a minute? We're like, no, man, help, help yourself. He picks up the guitar and, and it's like, ging, ging, ging. he's all over the place. We're like, did you see him? I grabbed the bass player. I'm like, did you see that guy? And he's like, yeah. Um, what if we I had no idea. Yeah, I even thought that because we, I thought I sucked. <laughs> we, we, at this point, it was like off to the right, side. Right. And I'm like, did you see what he just did? And he's like, yeah, that guy's pretty good. Why don't we kick out our guitar player and get him? <laughs> oh, that's mean. Yeah. Can we edit? Can we edit this? No. Edit this. No. It's out there, man. It's, it's too late. Said. It's too late. <laughs> oh, it's water under the bridge. It, yeah, now. it was like, many years ago. Well, <laughs> Dallas Machiavelli can't <laughs> <laughs> and that is over in the background. This. Yeah. Huh? I doubt I'll even read this. Yeah. So, um, he agrees with me. Fed. Agrees Ed, with me. Short for Fed. Fed is short for fucking Ed. Friggin' Ed. Okay. So, Fed. So, I'll we call him Fed for that. short. And he was your bass player. Yes. Okay. In Afterbirth. Right. So, now we have to figure a way to get the current guitar player out. And get him in. Mm -hmm. So I said to Fed, here's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't just like drop it, hey, dude, you're out, sorry. Yeah. No, <laughs> no because you know, I mean you you're they're your friends too, and how do you yeah. How do you gently <laughs> kick someone insane. out? Yes. How do you gently kick someone out of your Yeah, head? how do so, you can I can I chime in? So what I think what they planned was why don't we have him join as a second guitar player mm. to start? Good thinking. Devious. So then I started, and we played, I think, one or two practices. Um, and I remember he would make fun of me because I didn't know what a duadinal was. I remember that to this day. To this, we, it's an it inside really joke me. to this day. It really bothered me. Like, hey, he doesn't even know what a duadinal was. Right in front of me. Like, I could have just walked over and decked him. Each. <laughs> like, I, mean, I, I didn't learn, like, uh, I, I didn't have lessons and, you know, yeah. learn the 
you know, read music or whatever, you know? Right. So, and but I know how to play chords did. and I can play them good. Right. Ugh. Right. <laughs> so then from there, you guys eventually break off and form Thorazine? Well, what happened, what, what happened was, <laughs> I said... The other version? <laughs> Elliot is clearly better than him, mm -hmm. even though he knows what a duad is. And what is that? Anyway. Two note, it's a two note chord or something. See, I don't like know that. what that is either, so whatever. I had to ask. Do you know what that is? I thought Cooper? it was a painkiller. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was maybe some body part I never heard of. I don't know. Obviously, oh my God. so that was just like a term he used. It's a two note chord, I think. Yes. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, not a power chord, just a two note. Two note chord. Two okay. notes. Yeah, so just say two notes. No, no, you, you had to say duad. No. So, so, um, all right. So anyway, but eventually, well, you guys what, what split happened? Off. What happened was, <laughs> again, we noticed that Elliot was clearly better, mm -hmm. and we wanted him. Mm -hmm. So I said, "The band's breaking up. Everybody, get your crap out of my house. We're, we're all done. <laughs> it's all over." It's like it's like when you meet a new girl and you want to get rid of the other one, right? Or a guy, and it's you're like bands <laughs> and girl. It's the same. It's, it's just so, isn't working. I think it's better it's just not to say, you, "Look, sorry, dude." <laughs> I think it's just you know, cut it. Like, yeah, it's like, but you know, it's like quitting smoking. You got to do a cold turkey. Sure. <laughs> well, we did. We just kicked everybody out. Oh. Right, right. So then, after everybody's out, and this person who shall remain name remain nameless, he him and his mom came to get his equipment out of my place because mm -hmm. we practice at my place. Mm -hmm. They show up, get moved his his amp and stuff out. Now my place is empty again, except for my drums. Mm -hmm. So then I call everybody back. Okay, everybody, bands back on. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that is low. Uh. <laughs> edit, edit. You know, yeah. Dicks. <laughs> <laughs> that is Hoover. <laughs> so um. So then, um, this is how I remember it how Thorazine came up. Mm -hmm. um, we were going to play this warehouse in Kensington, Fishtown, same thing, Port Richmond, mm -hmm. that part of the city. Um, guy calls up and says, okay, I want to book you guys for this weekend, whatever weekend mm -hmm. that was, but I don't know what to call you. What, you know, what, who are you? Because at that point, we were sending out stuff and it didn't say afterbirth anymore. Mm. Because Afterbirth had broken right, up. Right, So the guy's like, but I need a name. I'm making flyers. Mm -hmm. I need a name. So we're like, and I'm on the phone, Lancaster Avenue, and I'm like... Well, and we talked about it, though. We, we sat and threw out names. We threw out names. What were some of the names? Do you remember? I don't know what, when this happened with the phone call, but uh, we, uh, I know we sat and discussed, like, what are some cool... We had to think of a name. We had to come up and with we a name. And we were like... We're, all kinds of names got, and then all of a sudden drug names popped up, and I'm like, nah, someone's already that, or that's, nah, that's not cool, and then... Fed's little sister was on Thorazine, so he said, he threw out Thorazine. Now, all the other names, like Elliot said, someone would throw a name out, and we'd go, no, 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 no. Fed threw out Thorazine, and no one said no. So it was like, okay, we're Thorazine. And then I was like, how do we spell it? Not because I don't have to spell Thorazine, but because you don't want to spell, you know, and we're like, well, let's just spell it the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, let's just spell it the normal Which way. Which eventually you guys get sued for and, and yeah. nothing that came ever later. comes of it, but yeah. So, so then, and, and 
just fast forwarding a little bit, I mean, you, you guys uh, toured for 10 years, right? Played around, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah all we over toured the a bunch of times, yeah. Right? Yeah. Did a video US and Canada, I think towards the end it was the uh, last two or three were mm -hmm. US and Canada. Okay. And then, um, how, and I'm trying to remember from Joanne's interview, you guys stopped playing as a band about 10 years ago. Correct. Two thousand three, Joseph. Two thousand three. So just in the past year. No, it was two. It was earlier than two thousand three, wasn't it? I I say yes. Joe says it was about oh. Yeah, I'm the worst with, with that you time, and me. So I'm, you don't ask me because okay. I. <laughs> but somewhere. I remember it. Like somewhere you at the did turn of the century, Thorazine yes. breaks yes. up. Yes. Yeah. Somewhere around two thousand two, two thousand three. Yeah. So so was it a break up or was it just a look? We've been at this a while. Let's we're just done, you know, or was it like a... Well, I I wanted to keep going. Mm -hmm. So I joined bands after Thorazine. Okay. But it was like the other members were kind of like, we're done, mm -hmm. we're, doing, we're doing other stuff. Okay. So I joined uh, a couple of bands in there. Mm -hmm. One of them was an R&B band. Oh, interesting. It was, it was the whole expand your horizons, try something mm -hmm. different. Mm -hmm. So I decided I've never played this stuff mm -hmm. before, and I also found out I can't play that stuff. Sure. Did you continue playing musically all these years before Thorazine got back together, or was it just for a short period? It after was Thorazine often. Ended? I did often when I was with different bands, different projects. Mm -hmm. I never really completely stopped. Okay. So in the last year, Thorazine gets back together, and you guys find. Hoover. Hoover. <laughs> How do you find Hoover? How does Hoover come into the band? Because you've gone through, not gone through, but you've had multiple bass players. A bunch of them, yeah. Thorazine. Right. Um, well, the, you know, Ross, the current, at the time, the current bass player, mm -hmm. decided I think he just didn't want to, after the reunion, he didn't really want to continue. Okay. And the, the not, reunion not playing was more than last... maybe once a year at best. Once a year at and best. we wanted to play more, so yeah. uh, we decided to, you know, find somebody else. And the, the reunion was September, no. May? May. Last May. You don't ask me. It was in Last May. Last May. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, so, he, so your bass player played that one gig. And then and he was he basically done. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we were looking, we were actively looking, and uh, I think Joanne has a lot of contacts because mm -hmm. she's still works at Glitchies, Glitchies yeah. and she knows a lot of people. But um, actually our neighbor... Um, Joe <laughs> Wenzel, who owns Breakaway Bites. Yes, it's all interconnected. I'm there. Yes, it's amazing how it's a it's Philly. It's, it's, it's just, just it's a small, it's a small, town. it's a small town in a big city, all kind of mm -hmm. together, you know. Sure. Um, and yeah, so that's how we found Hoover. He said, "I know a guy that plays bass." Yes. Yeah. Hoover. So who knows who you are? Who knows who? Who knows who we You were. knew who Thorazine was. Now, so how did you know? Who Thorazine was? From being a fan in the nineties. Okay, so you had actually seen them play. Oh yeah. Okay, all right. So, did you guys reach out to Hoover, or did Joe put? His, I think like, uh, uh, Joanne took care of that. Yeah, Joanne did. <laughs> so what happened, Hoover? Can you can you tell me um, how this occurred? How yeah. did you wind up? Joe told I am you, like, right? Uh, it, it just uh, I had some time away from. 
playing and didn't, you know, it's only something really close friends even knew about because they didn't really bother advertising it. Sure. And, uh, you know, Joe just happened to know because I told him, you know, we spent so much time together, uh, I told him a few stories. Uh, and, yeah, I don't know, he just, yeah, I think I got an email from him. Saying, hey, this band's... Yeah, saying, go try out for them. So, with Wenzel, actually, I didn't even consider uh, the possibility that I would be playing again, because, you know, really, outside of a few specific scenarios, it's really freaking sad, you know, the, the, the whole you're in your 40s and go to start play with someone. <laughs> you know, I mean, let's just speak frankly here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so it never even occurred to me, but... Uh, but wait when, a minute, they're all in their 40s too. No, no, I'm, get, I'm getting to that. I'm Next month. Yeah, I'm getting to that. Uh, but Joe has a history of, of uh, when he makes these kind of off-the-wall suggestions, they're serendipitously actually really good Mm -hmm. suggestions. So mm -hmm. I just said, okay, I'm going to do this because uh, he brought it up. There's something here. It was a date. Sure. It was meant to be. Uh, I just, yeah, I'll do, I'll, 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 you know, he's one of those friends that I'll just follow his ideas on blind faith because mm -hmm. they tend to be pretty fucking good ideas. Um, he has a history of it. So, yeah. Hey, there's this band Thorazine. They need a bass player. You should try out. Okay. No, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> no, and I, music as a fan mm -hmm. and, and you've been playing bass for how yeah, long? yeah well since uh, uh since i was a teenager since i was in my late teens played in other bands yeah yeah this is dallas's interview though i know i just want to get a little bit of <laughs> i know i don't mean to i know Whoever, feet, yeah man. our cynic here in the background and I, and I don't want to put you on the spot but i just kind of want to just bring it in yeah. a little bit now anyway look Bottom store. Uh, the the bottom line is, uh, yeah, everything serendipitously has uh, was right on the money here because one, I really like the freaking music. It's great. Uh, yeah, just to to listen to and play. So satisfying those two criteria are like that's a really rare fucking thing. Yeah. You know, I've never had that experience yeah. where everything is perfect like that. I'm like, oh yeah. I like to drive around and listen to this, and I'm really enjoying playing it. And then, uh, temperamentally, you know, everybody's just, mm -hmm. uh, we're on the same page. Right. So, yeah, it, I couldn't picture another scenario where I would be doing this. Well, I think it's awesome, because I will say that on Facebook, our big social media, you know, I know Hoover through other people. Not well, but I, I know him through cycling. Um, and we have a lot of mutual friends. So when the rumor mill started that Hoover was going to play bass for you guys, a lot of our mutual friends were like, ah, he's just bullshitting around. And pulling, <laughs> you know, he's like, everybody thought you were just cracking jokes and weren't serious. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I know the guys in Thorazine, they're saying he is, Hoover is playing in Thorazine. So it was like this whole back and forth for a short period of like, is it really happening or is it a rumor? And what is, you know, so it's this shroud of mystery going on. Um, but I was really excited to kind of see that connection, at least for me anyway, um, because worlds are always colliding and once again, they have. So um, I like that though. Yeah, I like that. I love it. I think it's fantastic and I feel like... I think um, it's what keeps me here in Philly, you know? Yeah, yeah, the world. And I don't live in Philly anymore, but, you know, I'm here all the time. I'm here now. Um, and I like to see both 
I think punk and cycling have a lot in common. They do. A lot of the, the DIY uh, culture um, and attitude um, that goes along with both are a great blending. So to see them both come together is nice. Um, and Hoover, you've played two shows so far live with two. Jersey? Correct. Okay. So you're keeping them or are you going to break up the band and rename it? You're going to find out the What's, what's going to happen there? How's that going to go down? <laughs> or now that we're all mature, is it like Hoover, yeah, you're done. <laughs> Just kidding. So, all right. So Friday night, I want to talk about... You <laughs> <laughs> So Friday night, you guys played um, at the fire. Yeah. And, and I was really excited because I was not able to come to your gig in May. I had tickets and life happened um, and I wasn't there. Um... But I did get to come and, and see you guys play. Um, what thoughts on the show? I I had a blast. Um, being able to, Joanne and I talk about this all the time. We have like the post show wrap mm -hmm. up. We haven't mm -hmm. done it yet. I have to call her. Um, but because I'm sitting there, and I can't really move around, sure. I can really look out at mm -hmm. what's going on. An all-girl pit? Yeah, that, that was, was pretty that amazing. blew my mind. Cool. Now, now let's hang on here a second because the first two bands that opened, Cheerbleeders and The Posers, both were female-fronted bands. Yes. Right. So mm -hmm. here's a bill: four bands, three of which are fronted female by fronted. women. Oh. Yeah. I have an observation about that because I was thinking about that when I was watching this. Because you know, I go in, and sometimes somebody. Uh, anyway. I think this might be a thing where uh, if the girls are reviving a proper pit at a punk show, you know, it's kind of seizing the whole thing back from the law of blues of douchebaggery, lip biscuit thing. So they're you taking know. it back. Yeah, I remember, I remember, you know, back in the day, mm -hmm. like this is actually a really special thing that would go on because there was like this sort of sense of community or uh, I don't know, there was something... There's some, yeah, a real you nice were in connection. the pit with your friends. You're like real you're nice swimming. connection where you're beating the shit out of each other. Sure. Yeah. No one was purposely trying to hurt each other. Not yeah. That, if you got a black eye, it wasn't on purpose. Right. Yeah. You, you were and, having and a good unless time. Unless the skinheads showed Right. Unless the skinheads came, but you were having a good time in the pit with your friends. Yeah. But do you think that the girls that were in the pit because it was amazing. It was an all-girl pit. They were slamming. They were bouncing off each other. They were getting rough, but they were having fun. But is that is that sort of more common now to see the girls take over the pit, or is do you think it's because it was a bunch of bands there that night that had girls and the women in the band? This first time I've seen it, but I was thinking to myself, this is a, this is actually uh, this should be a thing that here's like a safe space, you know? Because yeah. the other thing I was reflecting on it being the big goon, you know. I always had to be a little cognizant of who yeah. I was Hoover's jumping. like six foot ten. Yeah, who I was jumping I had on. Yeah, who I was <laughs> that on top of. Yeah. That um, you could crush people well, just because yeah. your, your sheer size. <laughs> yeah. So no, yeah, I mean it was it was really cool to see. Now as things progressed, there was an incident occurred that sort of left me um, with some very mixed feelings about um, I guess, you know, the whole punk scene and, and the pit and, and the girls and just, and not, not a sour thing, but just sort of trying to process everything. Um, in conjunction with the show, there was a photography exhibit, yes. right? Mm -hmm. and, it, and 
the photographer had his his art hung mm -hmm. throughout. So and it was advertised that way that it was first Friday in Philadelphia. It was an art opening. There was live music at this event. So the photographer is present for yes. the show. And he was in the pit taking pictures of the girls slam dancing. Did you guys see all this unfold? I, did. I saw the picture taking. I didn't see what actually happened, what I think you're talking about. Yeah. I, saw I, I saw the whole thing. I didn't I see it. it. I kind of felt bad about it. I just don't like the kind of thing to happen, you know? Yeah. And so, and I guess, so, so what wound up happening was, and I'm watching him take pictures and I'm thinking, this is awesome. He is probably getting some really beautiful shots up close and personal of a culture that is just still happening all these years later and with chicks ruling the pit. You know, like this is, this is just a great piece of history that can be saved through art. But the girls didn't like it. They did not like, they were getting annoyed at him taking their pictures. And they said something. See, that part I never heard. I was yeah, watching. Yeah, I didn't I, hear that. So, no, that part I didn't hear. So, so, and this is what I saw because I couldn't hear, but I'm a people watcher and I'm always watching the crowd and watching well, how they're taking things in. Because I heard it differently. Go yeah. Ahead. So, so what I saw was that the girls were getting annoyed and they said something to the photographer and he. I don't know what he said back, but he was continuing taking pictures and there was another guy standing there who got in his face to try and make him stop. Now, I don't I know if he say, got I won't shoved. say his name. Don't yeah, we don't name. need to say but, names. But I saw, this is where, I, what I saw, mm -hmm. um, he was taking photos, mm -hmm. this unnamed person mm -hmm. said something to mm -hmm. him, the photographer said something in mm -hmm. response, he said something else that must have been very nasty. And he put him to sleep. Right. And it didn't even look like he hit him hard, but he punched him. Yeah. And he knocked yeah, him down. I think that was still on call for it. And violence at any but time. But I don't know what was said. Regardless. You're right. not supposed to go, go that far. Walk when away. you go that far, you're the bad guy. Walk away. However, however, I talked to him afterward, and I think, I mean, he was seemed pretty shook up about what happened, but... Um, he was most upset that this is like his photography show and he's being, being told, told that he can't, can't take yes. pictures. That's now, I'm not going to comment on the violence and hitting well, you know, back or whatever. people don't know that. You know, they don't know who he is. They don't know what that, right. what that was about. Right. So, and that was part of my thought Just too. communication. Nobody knew. Right. In, in processing the whole incident, I didn't did people know. even understand that, they, that there was an art show happening no. here? No. A lot at, of people at, did not. At this live event and that this... this it was this person's artwork that was on display. He's here taking photographs. And then I'm jumping back to, you know, 1980, walking around South Street with, you know, spiked out hair and everybody staring at you and wanting to take your picture because it was a freak show. And so, you know, you're flipping people off and telling them, you know, to get out of here and you don't... Bleh. So it was, it, it, for me, it was just a spiral of... I think yeah. everybody has a point in there. So it sounds like there was some fallout afterward. From all this. I did not know. I didn't hear though, any fallout. I no? didn't know there no. wasn't. Okay. But, but discussion. I didn't know that the because women people are were talking upset about it and thinking that he about was it. taking their. I did yeah. not know that. Me yeah. neither. Yeah. So maybe, maybe dude was he trying was to taking. Up yeah, he was taking up for them. That is what it looked like. But you don't that like, what it looked like diss the guy or tell him. Well, he didn't know who this guy was. This some guy he didn't even know who he was. I've no. And I think if he knew it was like his show or whatever, he might 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 not have said anything. But 
But I, I think he, it, it could have been handled differently than to say some nasty crap to him. And nobody knows. Well, what you know said, what? I, I think the nasty stuff probably started. You think that? But uh, my my guess is he said something. He said, and then he had a nasty response. And they both have a, a part to play, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, and 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 whatever happened, I mean, I, I'll never know. I mean, it was just based on visually seeing things unfold, um, but it just kind of, again, still processing it in my <laughs> mind of, you know, wow, like not a lot has changed in some ways. <laughs> like, yeah. There's just still, you know, here's this beautiful moment where all the girls are ruling the pit, and now there's a fight, and that, and it's because. It, so it was just kind of like uh, left. I don't know. I I I, I don't want to say uh, a little bit. You know, just feeling like you know, have things really evolved in the punk scene? I mean, ha, ha, have have the young women evolved in in behaviors and attitudes and how they handle themselves? I think have the young you... folks are still working out what they're doing. Yeah, that I'm I'm they in full agreement. You know, there's there's yeah. a there's a gap there. Fuck you, Ian McKay, right. where we kind of lost uh, lost the sense of what what uh, what's appropriate behavior up front, close to the stage. Yeah. You know, um, and it, you know, I'm, I I think there's just a gap there, well, so they 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 got to reestablish what what goes and what doesn't. You know. Well, part of that night, I was outside. Um, I don't know if you have time for this, but sure. Uh, part of the, part of the, the feel of the night is um, I was outside with one of those girls watching mm -hmm. Clockwork Orange. Yes. And this guy walks up, really drunk. I didn't realize he was actually in the bar. Mm -hmm. But he walked, he seemed like he was like a homeless guy, walked up, snot hanging out of his mouth, oh. drunk, couldn't even like barely talk. And I'm standing there watching the uh, Clockwork Orange and talking to this, one of the girls who was in the, in the pit. Mm -hmm. She was the girl that had the, uh, that funky hat with the tail on it. Mm -hmm. Ah, okay. Um, and he starts talking about how uh, it's just all this Hitler crap about how Hitler was the hand of God and like just all this nasty stuff. I'm like, and like getting into and she, she's like uh, engaging this guy in a political slash um, religious discussion. I'm like this, you don't want to do this. This, mm -hmm. this guy, you, right. you're not going to reason with this guy. He's just right. going to get your goat, you know. And finally, I told him, look, take off. You're just antagonizing her. Take off. So he walks away, and then um, he walks into the bar. Thinking, this guy's drunk. You don't want his guy in your bar. So he goes and sits down. When he goes and sits down, he knocks this guitar over. And I grab the guitar just before he hits the ground, and I start handing it like, whose guitar is this? Mm -hmm. And that, you know, I'm on, on my way to tell the promoter, look, this guy's bad news. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to find out whose guitar this is. I finally hand it to Joanne. Then the guy walks up and says, that's mine. And then I'm like, what the frick? So he was... So, in he one had of the some bands? guitar. No, he wasn't oh. in one of the bands. Oh. He has this guitar in a soft case with a tambourine in it. Oh. So. <laughs> so he goes and takes that away, and I'm, I'm trying to tell the promoter about this guy. So the promoter goes and talks to him, and um, he doesn't have a reason to get rid of him just yet, apparently. Hmm. But then he's standing there watching the bands, and this girl and her friends start moshing for the first band. And they're purpose, purposely kind of singling this guy out. And uh, he gets. Bumped into a few times and finally he leaves. Mm -hmm. So that was something I saw that night. So they kind of yeah took control of the situation. They took control of the situation and, and got rid of him that way. Made it unhospitable. <laughs> they didn't hurt him or anything. Sure. They just made it very inhospitable. Yeah.
and he yeah. took off. And I thought, you know what? Good for you. Yeah. Because yeah. this guy was a real jerk. Yeah. You know? It was just an interesting night. Like, just people watching. And he was always looking for someone things. to deck him. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that wasn't the guy that got laid out. No. No, 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 no. That was actually a friend. That was a different guy. That was a friend. Oh, okay. All right. So you're hearing probably. No, he didn't say one word about it. Oh, really? Yeah, he didn't say one word about it. Neither has the photographer. Have you, so, so there was this incident, and I guess the other thing, again, I'm always like processing these behavioral things in my mind, thinking back, you know, to the earlier days of the punk scene in Philly where there was a lot of violence. I mean, was that an unusual incident, or do you feel like... That's unusual for us. For us, yeah. We don't for a Thorazine kind of show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. we don't promote it, and we don't yeah. like it. Yeah, yeah. But do you think that Philly is, the Philly scene is still violent in the no. same way it used to be? No, I don't think so. No, so that was just sort of a... I'm, I... No, I don't get out much these days. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was just going to say, I don't get you out, so I'm going to reserve judgment. Things could have really changed. Mm -hmm. I've been way mm -hmm. out of touch. Yeah. So that could be the norm now. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was curious about as well. You know, if just, if that kind of um, level of interaction still exists and, you know, if people are still going looking for fights or if that was just, you know, an unusual thing that broke out. All right. Enough about that. Going forward, because we, we're going to start wrapping up. Um, I, we could, you know, do part one, two, three, and four. Uh, <laughs> But we'll stick with this for now. Going forward, Thorazine, what's the plan for you guys? Start writing. Who does? Oh. Get signed, quit our jobs. Who, right, right. <laughs> Can I be your manager? Because I really want to quit my day job. Um, who does most of the writing? It's really a collaborative. It really I, always has been. Yeah, it always has been. It's uh, I'm not been. much for words, but I do, I, I do good with my part, which is like, you know, riffs or whatever. You mm -hmm. know? Uh, I think we all add our stuff. Okay. I was mentioning to you earlier I need to buy one of these. Yes. Because the recorder. The recorder, because I don't I can't say to L and now Hoover what I hear in my head is G B B B E mm -hmm. I I can't do that. Mm -hmm. So I have to mouth it. And what was funny is back in the old basements in West mm -hmm. Philly I could just go to Elliot. Yeah. This is babe. what I hear. Ba 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 and he would figure out, oh that's a B. Oh that's a G. And turn it into a song and that's always how it's been but if i had one of those then if i get an idea then i like yeah. this is the yeah. idea 50 bucks wow totally what worth we it. what we do though is the song is never never turns out the way exactly the way the person who brings it to the table yes. envisions it it always gets it always gets changed but in the, i think in a good way I don't but think that makes that sense because then everybody's you're you're all hearing it i mean perception is everything so you're all hearing it one way and then putting your own yep. spin on it now hoover is it true that you have a man crush on dallas and his his um songwriting ability yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. I just wanted to clarify that because no, I, we I were, sort of had yeah. that sense from your interview that I no, read we, on the blog. No, we were working stuff, some stuff out, <clears throat> and he has thoughts that come out fully formed, articulating them, you know, uh, into something that we can actually play is an interesting process. And all and, because I don't write. All because you don't yeah. write. Yeah. Yeah, but he, I definitely think there's a man crush going on. Yeah, he gets a, a bromance. A bromance. Next day, an old man's break. <laughs> So are you are you also starting to write songs then? 
Yeah, yeah. yeah we've gotten started already. We turned one out uh, on Friday. Yeah. And there are a couple more that are cooking. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm anxious to write what we've got to do for everybody to agree to start recording things. So, so your plan going forward, I mean, do you want to continue, are, are you going to look to record at some point again? I mean, you have well, three we, That's three my albums? expectation. Yeah, we really three need albums, to. Right? Yeah. We have two, two albums. Two albums, the single, the Christmas single. The Christmas single, the original 7-inch. The original 7-inch, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, we got a couple of tapes before that. Okay. I'm, in, I'm insisting. I'm yes. Absolutely, I'm absolutely insisting when we re when, that we record because I want things down that I like. Sure. You know, I, I, regardless of what happens to it, I want this stuff recorded. Well, you want a piece of that history that you're now a part of, too. Oh, I want my own history, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have my selfish reasons for it, too. I want to be able to listen to the things that I'm playing on that I like to listen to. Absolutely. That's that's absolutely. really, yeah, that's the... And in, ter in terms of um, touring, or are you just looking to stay local in the area? Because I know at this point, I you know, we could do short stints. We could do short stints. But we stints. have kids, so sure. there's no way we're, you know, mm -hmm. you know, back in the day, we would do 80 shows. And <laughs> I think our last two tours, we did 80 shows across the country. And there's no way we can do that right now. Okay. Um, maybe, you know, if we're not more kids get older, but mm -hmm. for now, um, what we can do is we can do short short shots, weekend, you know, bit large weekends for places, um, you know, take a couple extra days before, after, or whatever weekend and make it yeah. a, a trip or whatever. But uh, as far as touring, I personally, I don't think I can do that. Yeah. It's a lot uh, to unless, get in the van uh, and... You know, I can, I guess I can quit my day job, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Hire a babysitter. Now, now... Hire a name. Marion is, is sitting here smiling and kind of laughing to herself <laughs> when we're talking about touring. Marion, how do you feel about Thorazine possibly... Um, you know, going on the road or, you know, and, and about Dallas playing again? Um, I have mixed feelings. Um, I know how happy it makes Dallas, mm -hmm. so it makes me happy to see mm -hmm. him happy. Mm -hmm. But the thought of being away from him for a long stretch Aww. doesn't make me happy. Yeah. But Do you like seeing them play? I love watching them play because yeah. it makes them happy. You can see, you can feel the joy mm -hmm. while he's playing. Oh, he was moving so fast. Oh, I'm yeah. like, I, yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. can't see that far. I was standing in the back, so I'm like, I couldn't see your facial expressions, but you were like, yeah. just yeah, sweating you were going. sticks. Sweat. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It was hot that night, and I was sweating unbelievably. I was soaked. Oh my god. What was it like for you, Hoover? Your I second almost, show. I almost, I almost ruined my cool. Velvet jacket. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was hoping know, you took that off. I want to know what size creepers you were wearing. This dress, the, oh, uh, European size. They're forty eights. Which is the U.S. equivalent like 12 of twelve and a half. Oh, all right. They were the. They were the. This is an important distinction. They only look big because they're the wrinkle pickers. Ah, um, right. With the with the. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, because creepers tend to look like super sized anyway. So yeah, yeah. I was digging there. They were leopard. Yes, they I used to have creepers. a pair. I used to have a pair of Lost leopard creepers. Love creepers. <laughs> anyway, um, so anything else that you want to add? I, there was so much I wanted to ask you, and actually, one of the things, and it's more maybe more important to me than it is is to you, but um, um, and and for my own selfish reasons in in my field of work and and living in Philadelphia and growing up here and. 
and actually dealing with a lot of racism um, and, and being submerged into that in various ways. Um, being a young black man in the punk scene and, and you know, it's a predominantly white uh, um, scene, although there were, you know, I mean, I, and actually this is terrible because yesterday I was out on a bike ride and I'm counting in my head all the black people that I know in the punk scene in Philly because I'm like thinking, well, you know, there, there were a lot more than maybe sometimes we actually remember, but what was that like for you? I mean, did you feel like you were on the periphery of things because of skin color or did you feel like you were treated differently um, first coming into the scene because of that? No, not at all. Um, in fact, it was the first welcoming environment because... You're just chased from Kensington. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Um, but, but like... Um, Growing up in North Philly, mm -hmm. it was like you're you know you you listen to that stuff. Mm -hmm. You don't wear the right clothes, so you're not right. part of us. Mm -hmm. Then so you kind of didn't fit in there. I didn't fit in where there. You lived. You go like Lincoln. I fit in in that I was on the rock side mm -hmm. of the lawn, not the disco side of the sure. lawn. But that was more metal and mm -hmm. more MMR rock. Not that there's anything wrong with that. What we now call classic rock. Sure. Um, which I like a lot of, um, but even with them, I only I, I gravitated towards the nastier stuff. Mm -hmm. So I I I wasn't into Rush. Mm -hmm. I wasn't into the fluffier rock. the fluffier stuff, for lack of a the better term. Rock. Pro, so, I wasn't into Prague sorry, rock. Joseph. Joseph loves Prague rock. No, it was it wasn't my thing. So it was kind of like, yeah, you're an okay guy, yeah, but yeah. you're not into what we're into. Yeah. When I got introduced to the punk scene, all of a sudden it was like you're just like us. Did you meet I think other? I do like gather, gather, we accept you kind of mentality. Yes, that the scene always had. Yeah, yeah. but did you? And, and I think that you're right to a degree. I mean, there was certainly you know you bring in skinheads and there was that whole kind of crap going on. But um, I why did you point at me when you said that? <laughs> I don't know. Were you a skinhead? I was just looking at no, him. Wait a minute. You just go, you just go, you're bringing skinheads. No, I didn't point at <laughs> you. Totally I did not at point at you. Anyway. She's so, looking stuff now. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I think because you just mentioned it earlier. So, um, but, um, oh, now you guys got me all screwed up. So, Sorry. So, so there was a, <laughs> son of a bitch. My, my, the, 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 the troll. <laughs> invited you. Wait, oh wait, we're in his house. We're in his place. Wait, we're in his we're house. We're in his house. Um, we're in yeah. wrapped in a blanket. Um, no, I think what, the other thought that I had was, okay, yes, you know, the punk scene in so many ways is, is a place where you can be different and be accepted. Or at the same time, we know there are still little factions because subgrouping We've is... We've had that conversation. Right. But did you... And hanging out in the scene, did you find yourself connecting with other black youth that you met in the scene, or did you feel like you all kind of stood alone? We all stood alone. We. It's funny you should ask that. Um, we did all stand alone. Because um, I noticed that. Yeah. And but I, I can tell you, you where notice it, it at I, the time. I did, but I know where it comes from. Where does it come from? It comes from if you're raised in an all-black community. Mm -hmm. And then you, you're... picked on is the wrong word, but kind of ostracized 
kind of pushed to the periphery. Mm -hmm. When you find another safe haven, a safe environment, Mm -hmm. you see another black person, you expect them to ostracize you too at Mm -hmm. first. Then you, if you find out, wait a minute, he is just like me. Mm then you can become friends mm-hmm. but your your gut feeling is oh no is he going to ostracize me just like i got over here mm-hmm. let me keep him at arm's length till i figure out if he's cool mm-hmm. cuz there were a lot of black music i mean i i yeah. was really i was doing this all in my head yesterday this is yeah. what i do when i ride bikes i like think about god knows what but you know and a lot of drummers yeah you had howard and Wydie, mm-hmm. right you had neil as the singer you had um, Mike, Michael, um, I'm blanking on his last name right now, um, in Shemales, right? You had BB yeah. in, in um, uh, Homo Picnic. Yep. Um, I, I'm, I'm missing somebody now because... You remember Big Bill? Big Bill. Big Bill. Um, and then you had uh, uh, Bobby Ray, who was the drummer in Executive Slacks. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, who am I missing? So I mean, but there probably a lot. Probably a there, lot, but there, there were, were a lot of black musicians. But, but I never saw anyone kind of connecting together. It's, so you, it's good that you remember Big Bill because what I remember, we started mountain biking after I think. Really, Wild Bill. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he was the first black guy I saw mm-hmm. in the whole Abe's that mm-hmm. whole circle, and him and I were kind of eyeing each other up. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder if this guy is going to be cool. Mm-hmm. I get off stage playing with Will, mm-hmm. and he sticks his hand out, mm. and we shook hands, and from that point on, it the dynamic changed. Yeah. But previously, we would yeah. eye each other up. Yeah, and and there's definitely and you you sort of alluded to this that when you don't identify with the black community in terms of musical instrument. Influence. interests mm-hmm. and influences and kind of who you're hanging out with there's kind of this treatment of you're acting white yes so it, do you feel like there's some of like that of like i know what you know and it, you know when you meet other black youth of sort of you know how your community's treating you and and you guys kind of like you know what you know but it's unspoken between it's each really other. unspoken yeah yeah Okay, interesting. But that's now you have some look into the background of that. Sure. That is what's going on. Yeah. You're kind of like, yeah. but then you figure out, oh, you're all right? Okay. Yeah, a little bit of a protective measure. Yeah. And I think a lot of people do that naturally, especially, you know, you're coming into the punk scene because you already feel ostracized, I think, for some reason Forever. or another. And it is a place to be different and fit in, but then I'll put race and color on top of that, and there's that whole other level under there. All right. Anything that I missed that you want to say, this is your interview, but I love that you guys are here and we got to hear your voices too. And I'm glad that we finally got to do this. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, so yeah. apologetic for, <laughs> for postponing so many times. Yeah, but at this point we know each other. Yeah, Before it would have been kind of like stiff. Nah, we would have known each other in five minutes. <laughs> You're a good talker. That's my yeah, personality. Like that you, you, you know. Put people at ease. And we know, easy to talk to. We know like, each other though because like, I, you know, if I don't know you and you're bad at small talk, you know, there's always that, that horrible silence, you know, and you kind of I feel that void. Yeah, well, I am a social butterfly at heart. So I thank all of you. It was wonderful to sit down with you today. And this is Loud Fast Philly saying see you later.